Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome back, my family of listeners. I'm honored today to be spending time with Don Oscar Miro Quesada. Oscar Miro Quesada Solevo is a respected Camasca Curandero and Alto Misayoc, adept from Peru, founder of the Heart of the Healer, originator of Pachacuti Mesa tradition, cross-cultural shamanism, an internationally acclaimed shamanic teacher and healer, earth-honoring ceremonialist and author, Don Oscar is OAS fellow in ethnopsychology and member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and Birth 2012 Welcoming Committee. He's been guiding ethno-spiritual pilgrimages to sacred sites of the world since 1986 with special emphasis on Peru and Bolivia. He is a popular faculty member at the SHIFT Network and educational centers in the USA and abroad, dedicating his life to the revitalization of Aboriginal wisdom traditions as a means of restoring sacred trust between humankind and the natural world. A seasoned navigator of non-ordinary states of consciousness, Don Oscar is well prepared to help people from all walks of life access realms of being through which multidimensional powers and forces are available for healing self, others, and our planetary ecosystem as a whole. His ceremonial work and apprenticeship programs have been featured on Sounds True, CNN, Univision, A&E, Discovery Channel, and the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. And a dear friend of mine, I might add, Oscar, it's so great to have you join us today. Roberto Vetter. Thank you, thank you, Robert. Mutual, my good friend. It's an honor always to exchange soul-laden visions of what it means to be human. When you were reading that uh, that bio of mine, it was hard for me to recognize myself because it, I mean I must be pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both getting there together. <laughs> anyway, it, it's a joy to be on on your podcast together and 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 share our, uh, the wisdom that we love so much, which is indigenous ways of transforming this very crazy world into a place where relationships reign supreme. Absolutely. We have so much to talk about over our three episodes together. And I have found your, your personal story to be a very inspiring one. And I'm going to ask you now in your book on what's the, the title of your book is I should also tell our listeners about your book, Lessons in Courage, Peruvian Shamanic Wisdom for Everyday Life. And in the book, you go into some detail about your life story. I've also heard some stories in in personal time that we've spent together that aren't necessarily in the book. And I'm going to ask you to kind of go back over your life history and share with us a little bit about 
your journey because it is such a fascinating story. Well, gladly. Uh, and do we have a few days to do so? <laughs> anyway, in, in, a, in a nutshell, um, I'm the, the result of my mother's third marriage and my father's second marriage. Because my mother was Italian American and my father Peruvian. And when my father came to the United States to do a post doctorate uh, degree in biochemistry at Yale, my mother was working at a greasy spoon where all the college students used to hang out. And my father saw her and felt, was smitten, fell in love with her immediately. Took him a couple of years to uh, have her go out on a date with him. And as a result of that, they got married and went to Peru and I was born and they had already had previous relationships. So I inherited a pretty large family. Uh, I was the youngest of, a, of seven siblings. Now, many of them were my half brothers and half sisters, or all of them, and they would come in and, and out of my life. Yet, in terms of what really motivated me to move into the field that I am currently invested in, as a friendly holographic projection of the need of people to have a shamanic teacher. Uh, it all started when I was very, very young in my formative years. My father was a general director of public health institutes in Peru. And so he was stationed in very remote rural areas, primarily Pucalpa, which is in the central uh, Amazon rainforest region, in uh, the area of Huaraz, which is in the central highland, northern central highland region, and in the coastal city of Chiclayo. So in, from age one and a half to around almost four and a half, I spent in, immersed within the cosmology, the stories, the lifestyles of our indigenous peoples. So I bonded with that um, ethos, with that sense of identity, much more than when with the Western acculturated sense of identity that my family in Lima were so um, transfixed by. That gave me a huge advantage because I started to learn how to listen and how to feel and how to speak less than most of the people that were so desperate to find meaning in their lives, such as our modern Western acculturated folks. We speak a lot. Not that I don't in these interviews yet. Now, the ability to stop my mind from thinking started at a very, very young age. And that to me was indispensable to be able to receive information from parallel realms of awareness to this just rational cognitive waking state that we call uh, functional consciousness in modern psychology. And I've always been fascinated by being able to tap into these areas that are pools of information, uh, sources of knowledge that have extraordinary relevance to how to guide our life in a manner that is much more based on reverence for the natural world and on a sense of sanctity and gratefulness for the gift that is life. All of these things started at that very, very young age from one and a half to age four and a half. So when I returned to Lima and started my schooling there, 
I was like, I fell out of place. I was, I didn't feel like I belonged. And I always felt like a stranger in a strange land. Although in my teens, of course, I did my best to get in with the right crowds that in those days, in these late 50s and 60s, uh, there was a lot of experimentation with mind expanding substances. Primarily in, in Lima at the time, it was the San Pedro cactus, which was the known as Huachuma or Wando Hermoso. And as a result of my experimentation with that, I found out about these practitioners of folk healing in Peru called Huachumeros, curanderos. And I decided to go up and explore that path. And as a result, met my teacher, Don Celso Rojas Palomino from Salas Chiclayo, who I apprenticed formally in Camasca Curanderismo from 1969 to his passing in July of 82. And in that period of time, of course, became convinced that the shamanic healing arts had a, a huge contribution to make to modern psychotherapy and other allopathic medical interventions that were, you know, so are still so much in vogue within our modern world. I found them to be much more human or humane in nature. I found the approach to the family and community uh, uh, service to be a, a breath of fresh air. I studied psychology. I'm a psychotherapist by training. And I did my formal education in, in life sciences, microbiology, and then psychology and then entered into ethnopsychology, which is the study, uh, it's like medical anthropology, the study of the indigenous worldview and how that applies to their uh, adaptation to the modern changes in, in the world. And so as a result of that, did a lot of field work in Peru and developed what is the Pachacuti Misa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism. So I'm jumping around a little bit. Yet that's where it all began with my first encounter with my tutelary or my, my, my elemental, which was a, a bat, a vampire bat. And this was when I was around two years old, living in Pucallpa in the Amazon. And I was in my crib and this vampire bat came flying in through the window. And I used to have very, a lot of hair when I was a baby and it attached to my hair and I, freaked out and I started to, you know, rub my head against the, uh, the crib and the poor bat, I, I obliterated it. it, you know, smashed its head. So when my parents woke up in the morning, they saw a bloodbath and they saw these two little legs of the bat hanging out of my hair. Yet what is that? The bat was the most um, revered uh, shamanic totem of the Shipibo uh, tribe in that area. So they brought in the elder of the community that my father was working in there, because he was there doing uh, studies on, uh, on leprosy, as a matter of fact, in that area. So when he came, they brought him there, he said, he's been chosen, you know. <laughs> he, he, the bat medicine has selected him. Your son is going to be a curandero. Okay, so that was the first message that my father told me afterward when he realized my passion for this work. And uh, that was my first initiation. 
when I returned to Lima, um, I found myself, as I said, walking between worlds and not fitting in. I was a very, very poor student. I had a very hard time remembering the lessons that were given to me in class. Uh, I graduated last in my high school class. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when I decided to put my mind to it, uh, was able to learn how to study and graduated from very prestigious universities in the United States and uh, even taught at them. Let's go back a little bit more. When I was in Lima, I developed severe asthma because of the smog there and also genetic reasons. And I would enter into these states of hypoxia where I could, I was, my breathing was so constricted, I was choking. Uh, I was give, given intravenous dexamethasone, which is a stero, you know, cortisone to allow my alveoli to open up and breathe. And my, my health was dwindling very rapidly. And so my father decided to move me to the to the highlands, a place called Chosica, which is outside of Lima in the central highlands. And I spent my 10th year of life up in this area. And it's there that I had this near-death experience in which in the book, as you know, I've recounted, in which there was a visitation by these three beings, these what I call shining ones, shimmering beings of light that conveyed a lot of information to me. We entered into this telepathic communication field and they decided to cleanse me of asthma. And in a classical shamanic extraction by suction, one of these beings bent over, placed their lips over my chest and did this incredible extraction through suction and disappeared. The, the illness disappeared. And so my father was flabbergasted. All the doctors were flabbergasted and I never had asthma again. As a result of that, I was able to become much more engaged in life, made some friends. I did go, I had the classic near-death experience, went over to the other side, all of that good stuff, you know, what was, provided with an understanding of what my life was going to be like, uh, learned a lot of things that are much too involved to go ahead and articulate in detail for this time we have together. Yet as a formative experience and making me aware that this other dimension of reality exists that uh, we need as human beings to be to befriend, to become involved with, to enter into relationship with, that was fundamental in my life. So I have the bat initiation. I have this encounter with these shining ones from another behind the veil. And then at age 33, I had a, another near death experience as a result of an auto accident when I was living in Lima in which I was given a chance to either continue beyond this earth plane or return. And I chose to return because of the suffering that I saw happening in my family as a result of my death. People interested in more details about this can find out in the book. But I just want to mention these three pivotal events in my 
early years in Peru that really set the stage for my, my passion to be a, a hollow bone, a, an instrument in which um, when I take care of myself and when my motives are impeccable and my intention clear and pure, often results in guidance for other people that are seeking healing that have uh, literally transformed their lives. And I say this without uh, taking any credit for it because I've learned over time that uh, one's efficacy as a, as a shamanic healer is directly proportional to one's um, ability to let go of the self lowercase s, uh, the ability to step out of the way and, and not, uh, not be the source of, of the power that is working through one, as you well know, brother. So uh, that said, I could say this early times in my life in Peru were both a combination of being surrounded by extremely accomplished intellectuals on the side of my family and extremely accomplished salt of the earth farmers on the side of my mother because they were from Italy, from Naples originally. So I had this genetic predisposition, if you can call it that, to be in nature, to be in the earth, to eat with my fingers, to get my myself nice and grungy and dirty and at the same time to think about philosophical discourse. <laughs> and, uh, and so that combination allowed me to be a bridger of worlds. And so that's what most people enjoy about this, uh, this path of the Pachacuti Mesa tradition, that it provides intellectual and, and, uh, and, and wisdom nourishment for the soul, as well as earth-honoring enmeshment with the living sentient planet that we call Pachamama. It's a very powerful combination. Feed the mind and nurture the body through honoring the soul's role, both in mind and body. So in a way, we are bridges between the sky and the earth by walking this path of Pachacuti Mesa cross-cultural shamanism. Uh, so that's, I don't know if there's a specific area of my background or my early life that you would like me to share. Uh, yeah, I, have, I do have one, one quick question um, before we close this uh, section of our work together. So what I gather is that, that, that there was a kind of a tension, you could say, between the two worlds that I'm gonna describe as the very, very Western world and a very, very indigenous world. And a lot of people today are seeing the value of the indigenous world, but they're living in this modern world. And I'm just curious if you could tease out one takeaway for our listeners about how you were able to do that and what kind of advice you can give to people who are trying to live in this modern world, particularly now, with all of the challenges that we have, how do we draw something of value out of that indigenous world and, and work it so that it can make a difference to us in living in this world? Wonderful question, thank you. In the midst of the chaos, 
I never forgot gratitude. I always felt grateful to be alive. My family was very dysfunctional. My, you know, we had a lot of conflict between my brothers and my mother and my father. There was a lot of substance abuse going on. It wasn't a healthy home. At the same time, it was replete of love. It may have not been healthy love, but I felt love and I was very grateful to be in a home with a roof, with food on my table and know that in the midst of everything, there was caring, which is the primary force behind any shamanic work. The desire to care for someone or something other than yourself in equal measure to how you care for yourself or sometimes even more. So that appreciation for that understanding always felt very like a, a, a soothing gratitude in my heart. So the takeaway is this, in the midst of whatever chaos or disruption you may experience with your Western life way, if you are a practitioner of indigenous traditions, return to gratitude. Open, open your heart to the experience of, well, this may be a difficult lesson, yet it's a lesson and I'm grateful for it. Once you are able to accept that gratitude is the foundation of your life, then generosity of self emerges. You're able to share yourself freely without attachment to what you're gonna receive in return. And as you start doing that, that generosity opens to grace, to a state of grace. So my takeaway is this, stop doing whatever you're doing when you're feeling overwhelmed, take a couple of deep breaths, open your heart to gratitude, remember how generous you are in your life in sharing with others and receive grace. And grace is nothing more, my good brother, as you well know, than the realization that it's not about you, that you are all about the all. That is some beautiful, nourishing wisdom for all of us. There, we have so much more to talk about. Um, all the listeners out there, I hope you're going to tune in for our next episode with Oscar. I, the, we could talk for days. See you guys soon. Thank you, Oscar. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.